lights. camera. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. This Halloween. is Halloween. Halloween. We can't sing any more of the song for copyright infringement purposes. I already think we've done infringe the copyrights. episode of Cinemagic Podcast, where we go from our popcorn sexy movies Woo. to our best favorite horror movies, you know, the ones you want to watch around the spooky season of all time. I'm here with the greatest hope, greatest host. I said hope, but host makes sense, right? You're my hope and my host, right? You're my, my hope. hope. I cannot be your hope because you're my hope. Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, Except yeah, for man. your background, which I absolutely... I, you need to love my background. Look, people, <laughs> let me make you understand one thing. For those of you that aren't seeing this, and you will be seeing it soon enough, don't worry. Look, listen up, all right? I am using Hubie Halloween. Uh, Why, Jonathan? What are we talking about today? We're talking about good Halloween movies, and that's right, that's Rick Acevedo. And, and but, but it, technically, by Halloween movies, we're also talking about horror movies. Horror movies, Therefore, yes, horror movies. Hubie yes. Halloween was kind of a horror movie if you watch it in the context of it is horrible. Horror, horribility, horribleness, horror ball. Technically, that's supposed to be a horror comedy. Uh, it succeeds <laughs> at neither. It is neither horror. <laughs> Nor is it a comedy. <laughs> Why are we? You know, I'm sure we're getting a lot of people somewhere saying, "Why are you hating on Hubie?" Uh, you know, no, no, no one's gonna say that because did you hear about when Hubie Halloween actually released and a woman got fired for being in that movie? That's how bad that movie was. That a woman in real life got fired for working on that film. I mean, like, did she get fired? Because she didn't know that she was working on a bad movie when she got in, and then she was like, "Oh, I'm this is terrible." I think I mean, she was the newscaster. I, I may be remembering. Let us know uh, uh, on Instagram. Come and let us know. But I believe she was like a newscaster, <laughs> and she appeared there. And they said technically she broke contract or something. But I really think it's because they saw the movie and were like, "We don't want to be associated." We don't want. We don't want your nonsense here, man. <laughs> we don't be associated with anything in this movie. <laughs> Pleasely. I want to stop. I want to try to stop doing that. But I don't know. I think it both makes you laugh and pisses you off. So that tickles me because it's funny. It, it does. It does. But um, uh, uh, the year the year that movie came out, just to tell a quick aside story. So usually every Halloween, I do 31 days of Halloween where I watch um, 30 days of Tell horror. them why. No, but you need yeah. to tell them why. Be honest. No, I mean, everybody does. It's a little Halloween tradition. We Also, all also, come on. It's a very special time. I will. I'm getting to it. But oh, every 31 days you know, of October. Damn it. Uh, 31 days of, we watch a, I watch a horror movie. Usually friends and I get a group together. We watch a different horror movie every day for the 31 days. And usually in the past, especially a couple of years, I've made sure it has to be horror movies I have not seen. So that way I can expand and keep watching horror movies. That's why when we're talking about popcorn sexy movies, I saw them all for this reason alone. I'm always watching <laughs> horror movies, okay? Uh, so when Hubie Halloween came out, was that last year, year before? Uh, I don't know. 
I, I think it was 2020, but I'm not sure. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I think it was 2020. I may be wrong, but uh, so that was on my list of ones to see. Uh, I, a couple of friends and I got together, and we were trying to see who who overall had the best eye, you know, the best eye for Halloween movies. So we all picked our favorite movies, uh, not favorite movies. We all picked movies, and we you know took off turns each day. So Hubie Halloween was one of mine. So I was like, that's Adam Sandler. I haven't seen an Adam Sandler movie in. I don't know how long. I For really think Grown Up was the last Adam Sandler movie I saw before Hubie Yeah. So I've not seen anything in between. So I was like, eh, at least maybe it'll be funny and I'll get a list and get a markup because we're trying to see who picked the best movies. And so far, before, before Hubie Halloween, before that one came out, I was leading the pack. People were like, man, you really know how to pick horror movies. And I was like, you know I do. And then uh, I, they saw Hubie Halloween. I officially got the worst picked Halloween movie and I lost the contest overall. So Hubie Halloween literally effed me over on my Halloween list watching. I hate that movie. Just like that woman got fired, I lost the contest. It, 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 it um, just so to be clear, it would have effed you over even if there hadn't been a contest. <laughs> you wanna hear the even worse part? Yes. So everyone, and this is what Rick is, is uh, referring to, I watched it on my birthday, which is October 30th, the day before Halloween, which is why I love Halloween, Cheers. So I also got to see it as a birthday <laughs> present to myself, where I subsequently lost the competition. You gave you gave <laughs> yourself the you gave the same, yourself the shittiest possible birthday present that you could have given yourself. Congrats, bro. <laughs> that's my that's my Hubie Halloween. So I will. Forever remember Hubie Halloween. I'm just just <laughs> digging that night for the call. Um, and yeah, that's that's the first Adam Sandler movie I've seen since uh, uh, Grown Ups, and that will be the last Adam Sandler movie I see uh, for a very long time. <laughs> I don't think I will ever. I mean, I've rewatched like um, Waterboy or something, but you know what I mean. I never say anything new that he actually. I, yeah, I don't. I don't like Waterboy. For me, it's like. Feels like a hundred years ago. It's like something wrong with this medulla oblongata. Like that line. That's about it, really. You can do it. You can do it all night long. (laughs) Big ups to big ups to Rob Schneider. Uh, The only time Rob Schneider has been good. (laughs) Hey man, he was the rich meister making copies. (laughs) Uh, Did you ever see his Netflix series? I never watched that. No, um, I heard about it, but I just had other stuff to do that that day, generally speaking. Yeah, just you know, other I... stuff to do. <laughs> and listeners out there, tell us if you've watched it. I don't know if anybody... It made it like three seasons, and I was like, really? I've not heard one person ever talk about that series, ever. And it made like three seasons. I mean, it, that's the thing though with Netflix now is like when when you have shit on Netflix, it's like it's gonna make it, you know, for several seasons before everybody either realizes that it's really good or that it sucks. Um, <laughs> so you know, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely no Midnight Mass, which was a very good Netflix. Series. I I'm I still need to watch Midnight Mass. I'm eager to watch that. I'm very eager to watch that. Honestly, I think I want to oh, watch yeah. it. I think I think I think I probably want to watch it during like actual Halloween, just stuff myself with candy and watch Midnight Mass. It's very slow, so I don't know if it's the best one. 
like to watch for Halloween. It's a very, it builds. It's very slow. It's building like Haunting of Hill House and the stuff you did before. It's a very slow buildup. But so. a lot of times, a lot of times, I think that, and and this is actually why I'd like to want something that's going to help us gear into what we're talking about. I think part of what with horror, part of what helps is more the insinuation than the actual action. I mean, you know, like psychological thriller versus slasher. It's you know. I was watching uh, the films that made us, a few of the episodes of the films that made us, as I haven't gone through the whole series yet, and they were talking about Halloween, and something that I actually didn't remember about Halloween, the original Halloween, not mm-hmm. Halloween Kills, which killed Halloween, it should have been called Halloween Kills Halloween, because it sucks ass. No, it should be Halloween, we're just going to reboot this franchise again, because we messed up. Yeah, no, see, but, <laughs> no, but all, every fucking Halloween film prior to this was a goddamn Oscar winner. I shit, you know, that's how I felt. I was like, yeah, forget it, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't have, we don't have literal time for me to tell you everything that I saw wrong with this, but I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. No, I know that. And the listeners are probably like, why didn't you review Halloween Kills? It came out during October. You're doing a spooky month. Uh, Here's our review of it. It sucks. We just said it. I think I figured out. It sucks ass. Yeah, it sucks. It is is the fucking cruelest. It is all about mob mentality and bullying. So if you're into that sort of shit, why not? Sure. But that message is real muddied in and of itself, and it's... Uh, is it muddied in the blood of, like, the fucking guy that escaped the mental hospital that can jump from the guy that... No! No, I, I think the point they were trying to make made no sense to the context of their own movie. Like, it's just... What it, point? What are you talking <laughs> about? You're asking... Exactly! You're, and you're the talking... fact that they're gonna put the next movie five years afterwards, like four or five years afterwards, I'm like, this makes no sense. That makes no sense. Like, I mean, no the sense. whole thing's like, evil ends tonight. No, evil should have ended at the script and whoever <laughs> the fuck wrote it. Danny McBride, Danny McBride shame on you. Really like. Danny McBride, I really like his I writing. I like Danny McBride. He must have been high off his ass when he wrote this. Either I that know, or... Yeah, the first one is so much better. When I say the first one of this new The first one trilogy. of this series was absolutely, you like, know... It, it, it reminisces to the old one. It brings that tension back in. It gets a lonely fight between a heroine and Michael like they did in the original. Very good. And then the second one, oh boy. Who oh boy? Who <laughs> oh boy? It's what like, a way to it's kill like a they went. It's like they went from making something that you're like, holy shit, for a reboot, that was absolutely fantastic, to, oh my god, that is like a sequel that was created in hell for mm-hmm. people that, like, deserve the worst kind of fate after death. I'm going to say this. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, looks so much better now, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> context-wise. Oh yeah. God, I mean, I mean, that's probably the most hated one of the series. Oh, it used 100%. to be. It used to Until be. Until now. <laughs> way, to, way to go, with Danny McBride. You are eastbound and down for damn sure, bro. <laughs> At least when you Halloween. have Buster Rhymes punching out Michael Myers, that is still a better movie than yours. That that's a uh, that's hard. <laughs> Especially when you consider the fact that uh, Buster Rhymes does not believe in, in, in like proper max protocol and waxing. 
but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, but literally every Michael Myers movie looks so much better. Oh, that was such a terrible movie. So I think, yeah, that's our review. It's terrible. Uh, that's that's um, our review. Terrible movie. Don't watch it. And if you watch it, watch it at your own peril. And then if you break your TV, go fuck yourself because you were told at Cinemagic not to watch that abomination. Oh. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah. So let's actually talk about some good Halloween movies. I I disrupted your point. You were saying you were remembering something, the films that made us Halloween. Uh, something the, okay, original so Halloween. going back to Halloween, and I promise I'm not going to get off the subject now. And they actually mentioned the fact that um, when they were creating it, one of the things that they didn't want was any sort of blood or gore. And it, it goes to that point that you and I have talked about in the past about scenes where you perceive something is happening, but you don't see it. Like mm. the scene in Scarface where you you think you see somebody getting chainsawed, but you never really do. And, mm. and all of this with Halloween too, which really speaks to the point of playing with the emotions of the viewer. And I think that to me makes certain films which are technically considered horror like so much more effective and memorable because when you degenerate from that from that because you can't really repeat that too many times you can do it in one film and it works but then after that everybody kind of catches on to it but when you can create that that really does help so much more because you're watching and you're you have that anticipation, that angst that you're going to see something and you're, you think you're seeing something and it becomes a combination of theater on the mind, mind fuckery and all these things that just make those movies absolutely just unique and great. No, and I agree. And I think when we talk about our list here, I may have a couple that may be considered gory, but overall I wouldn't consider any of these really gore fest. Uh, like a lot of gory gore fest. Because... Because I agree with you. I think there's a place. There's a place for gore there in is. horror movies. Obviously. No, yeah. yeah but I think the scariest of the best horror movies are ones that don't play up the gore. It's not about the gore. It, like you said, it's about psychological, the theater of the mind, the horror itself. Gore is not the point. You know? Yeah. <laughs> gore is not the point. And I think that's what makes a good horror movie. So yeah. uh, I, we're just going to go through and tell us some of our favorite movies, describe them a little bit for you. And now I know myself as a horror aficionado, as the stories that I tell, I'm going to be separating like some of mine in the best genres. Rick may not be doing the same here, but I just like to give it to you that way so you can see. So I'm going to start probably with my, no, which one's older? I was going to say with my oldest film and probably get more contemporary. I'm trying to think of which one's older. Actually, I'm sorry. I'll start with my oldest. Since we're talking about psychological thrillers and horror, I'm going to start with my oldest. And it's another John Carpenter film, as you mentioned, but it is not Halloween. It is The Thing. The Thing uh, is a classic masterpiece yeah. of kind of um, of psychological scary horror of a werewolf among us, right? Or I'm saying werewolf because the game werewolf or among us, the video game that everyone knows now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> These cultural references. But the first of someone in us is a killer. Someone amongst us is a killer. Is an alien, is a creature who's gonna kill the rest of us. And we're paranoid, that paranoia and who we find and how to do it. Thing just does it so well. The movie starts off with giving you no answers in the beginning, like just starting off with 
And by the way, spoilers, the thing is like 82. I'm spoiling the crap out of the thing right now. <laughs> I mean, 30 plus years, right? I feel like I'm fine in spoiling something 30 plus right, years right, old. Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, when it starts off with just the researchers running out of the dog, they don't see it. The crew's like, what's going on? They kill the researchers and bring this dog in. I love the way that starts to bring up tension. Because immediately you're kind of like, you're just thrust into the movie of like, what's going on? Something's happening. And as it slowly builds and you see more of the creature effects, which the effects, which are amazing in the thing, if you have not seen it, they're all practical effects. And because they're practical effects, they still really hold up to this day. One or two effects, maybe uh, you maybe see through it, but for the most part, the creature design in and of itself is great. It's practical, so no weird CGI and computer generated. <laughs> it's blank screen, it all looks real. The creature starts getting more hideous um uh, uh, the effects that they have they burst out in the chest and the forms that it takes look so alien to us that it just it, it, it boggles your mind and the film the way john carpenter does the score and builds the slow tension kind of gets you paranoid in there to the final point where you're with your final two characters and you're wondering whether one of them or not is the thing that is even scary of itself because you know that like this ending may not be a happy ending even though they're proposing it as their way, right? Because technically the way the movie ends, it's kind of happy, the thing is dead, right? Yeah. It can't infiltrate, it's dead. We're all gonna die out here in the Antarctic, but it's dead, it's fine, or is it? Dun, dun, dun. But they don't really tell you, it's not even a question mark. <laughs> it's not really a question mark. But that like thing behind your mind as you're trying to think through, because the paranoia has set in, and John Carpenter does such a good job of setting in that paranoia, uh, to you as an audience member. The thing is just, it's a great masterclass of psych psychological horror and thrill. Uh, and, and great practical design that are not gory, but it is alien and horrific. Like the yeah. thing is not gory, but that the thing itself is so horrific that it leaves nightmares still. It's yeah. such a great. Um, mine's older, but I believe it was remade in 88. Wait a second, have you seen the thing? Before you go to yours, have you seen the thing? Everybody's seen the thing, man. Hey, I just gotta ask, Dude, what do you think about it? What do you think? I absolutely love the thing, but part of the reason why I love the thing is because I was always a big John Carpenter fan, and John Carpenter always had a way, like, his narrative just was always more on the psychological end than anything else. Even if there were, you know, some practical effects and everything like that, there was always that. And so he always mm -hmm. carried that through every one of his films. Maybe not Escape from L.A., I don't know. Um, <laughs> but... You know that's 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 neither here nor there, but yeah. I don't know. I agree with you because even for the original Halloween, talking about John Carpenter or the Thing, the body counts in both of these movies are very low. Like in Halloween, I think Michael Myers kills like five people tops in the original. Like if you it's just a matter. It's just a matter of when you see Michael Myers, like there's more fear in just seeing Michael Myers. And listening to that music, it builds up tension. And you're and when you're building up tension, but you're not paying it out every time, that's actually way more intense. That's oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. And he does that well in the thing. When the thing the the kills and the thing when they pop out kind of out of nowhere too. Uh, it's very good suspenseful and surprise because it kind of gives that paranoia that it could strike at any time. But it's not, you know, it's not this gore fest. It's very small cast of characters stuck in an Arctic base, and that's it. And you slowly build up the tension and surprise of it. And I think John Carpenter, like in Halloween, 
is very good at that. It's not gory. It's not about all the kills. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's about no. building up tension and psychological surprise. So I think I love The Thing so much. So I think if you haven't seen The Thing, it is a classic. See it. There was a quote-unquote remake prequel of The Thing called The Thing to the... I think it has the same name. So just in case you haven't seen it, the 82 version. All right? Like so, the like, old so, like, so like Jason in Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made they made another one, but and the big twist was it was the people that you saw at the beginning of the actual thing. It was showing how the thing went through that. But um, yeah, I'm ruining that twist too. Sorry, all these yeah, movies are. Don't worry about it. So I'm just ruining. Um, that one's all right, but it doesn't even come close to the original, the '82. Um, right, now you can move on. I had to get your thoughts on the thing. For me, for me. I and I believe there was a remake, and, and Jonathan, if you could look this up, that'd be cool. Um, it'd be um, the Bad Seed, the 1956 version. And there's a reason why I like the Bad Bad Seed. The Bad Seed is a very simple story about a little girl who has essentially got uh, murderous instincts. Um, you don't see blood, you don't see gore, mind you. This was shot in 1956. However, the level of psychological angst that you had while the mother is just like on a journey of self-discovery because it turns out she was the daughter of uh murderers and she was adopted by this psychologist or psychiatrist i believe um in in the film and she understands that what like the gene that skipped her has now gone on to her daughter and her daughter is like you know things have happened murders have occurred but you don't ever see her daughter actually committing any crimes um i don't know if it's because the film was in black and white that it struck such a chord with me uh to be honest when i saw it the first time the the bad seed it was an amc when amc was just doing black and white movies a lot of the time and they would have blocks and blocks of just stuff dating from anywhere between the 30s and the 50s um, and even some in the 60s and stuff but it was primarily like classic classic um, you know and, and this would be one of those and again we go back to this they didn't even really use jump scares it would be edited in a way where like a murder would be committed in a quick fashion <laughs> you wouldn't see the daughter but you knew that it was her okay um, and it it has this feeling of like you get a feel for the mother because the mother is going through that struggle of what am i going to have to do to stop my daughter who is a murderer who is a killer who inherited this gene from the people that i was saved from and so i'm just wondering this reminds me a lot of the good son with macaulay McCulkin, if you remember that one it's was essentially like based it, off, off the bad scene. I think that it was essentially just a, a modern retelling of that story. They never said it was a remake, but it was a modern retelling of it, I believe. It was. I always thought that it was a modern retelling of it. Because you know they they adopted Macaulay McCulkin, so you know he's not technically their kid, but he is a killer and a murderer and tries to replace his son. Yeah, that was just reminding me of that. Um, Keep going. Sorry, I just thought. Yeah, I, so, I, and, and, but, yeah but it's essentially it, it is essentially like that. And the thing about the, the bad seed that I loved, that I absolutely loved, was that it did not. It was not an overly violent film. 
there was no blood, there was no gore. Obviously, back in the 1950s, you know, it would be very hard to get that past any censor anyway. Um, and, you know, back then it was just basically censors who ruled the world. Um, yep. So to see that, you're like, and, and that really speaks to the point that we're making here about your psychological thriller being so much, like, so special. And when you compare it to a slasher, and I'm not saying the slashers don't have their place, they do, and we talked about this, mm. but that really is one of my favorites of all time. And it, it was putting it in 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 the context of when I was just a 14 year old, 13 year old kid. It's like, holy crap, this is impressive. Maybe it was because you didn't think that back then they would think that way, let alone put it on paper, let alone shoot it. But that's hey, the bad seed, man. I, I'm a fan of the old EC comics, so I can see all the horror things that they put back. All the horror! Uh, you know, so just to answer your question, they remade the movie twice, actually. Two made-for-TV movies. Mm. One, in 95, one in 1985 and one in 2018. Uh, the 1985 had was on ABC, a made-for-TV movie. had uh, David Carradine in it. Uh, Blair Brown and Lynn Redgrove. That's the 85? That's the 85 movie. Then the 2018 was made by Rob Lowe, also a direct-to-TV movie on Lifetime this time, uh, starring Rob Lowe, McKenna Grace, Sarah Dougal, Marcy T. House, Lori Carnell, and... Uh, I could make a really inappropriate Rob Lowe joke now, but I won't. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so they've actually remade it twice. Sad that it's only been a made-to-TV film both times. Uh, I think the premise, and especially you describe it, sounds, you know, right for the silver screen. Especially when you think about uh, budgets and horror movies. Hey, man, we still talk about independent filmmakers, so you know we're gonna put that a little out here. Yeah. Uh, when you when you what you describe, that doesn't cost a lot of budget. There's no CGI, no special effects, really. You can just because you're depending you're depending on your actions and you're depending on your on your on your um on your dialogue and when you depend on action and dialogue essentially that's that really brings up a whole new set of possibilities because the dialogue is what makes it like look it's all about real estate on the page and if you know how to how to mix that up where it's not ten thousand freaking lines of action to one line of dialogue you got something that could work. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. I'm just, I'm surprised that they didn't yeah, do it. It I, seems I like agree. right up Blumhouse's field, because Blumhouse loves doing movies like this. Not a lot of action budget. Like, there you go, man. Because that's the cheaper it is. The, the less yeah. you have to have special effects and props, the better it is. So I'm really surprised it hasn't been remade by Blumhouse or something. That seems like yeah. right up their alley. Yeah, but that's a good one. All right, so since we're going around slashers, I'm just gonna go with my second oldest, but my favorite slasher. And we all know what it is. If you listen to the last couple of ones, you, you know it by now. But I have to say it. Blair original, Witch Project. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, sir. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, sir. Never, ever would I say the Blair Witch Project. That movie bored me out of my mind. Uh, even as a kid. It's, um, still, yeah, it's still boring. <laughs> oh, I just want to say I'm sorry for making this horrible movie. So, um, so I'd rather wait in a line at a theme park, okay? Um, <laughs> well, at least the payout there is going to be more fun. 
Yeah, I mean, at least there's like things for me to look at. <laughs> Rather than just woods all day, there's things for me to look at. So, <laughs> but Nightmare on Elm Street, the OG one, I honestly am torn between this and Wes Craven's A New Nightmare. Mm -hmm. But Wes Craven's A New Nightmare is dependent really on you watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street. It makes that movie better because it kind of takes that and subverts the first movie. So I have to go with the original movie. So just go with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, for all of us who know Freddy Krueger, again, in this Nightmare on Elm Street, he is not Freddy as we know him. He doesn't crack jokes. He's not like funny. He is a very scary, moving yeah. character. He barely ever talks. Um, and when he does, it's very menacing. Uh, 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 it's uh, again where, um, what's his name? Johnny Depp gets his start. So, you know, it's, it's however you feel that, about and Johnny that really, Depp. That really gave uh, Robert England uh, you know, a push because he had already done V at that year, mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. that year. So he was, he was pretty, at that point he became kind of iconic, really. You know. Yeah, and I think it's the evolution from like Halloween, which had a slasher, you know, killing teens in the house, to really this menacing figure of someone who will kill your children in their sleep. I think it's a movie that hits on so many levels, a different age group. If you're an adult as yourself, a parent watching someone who attacks your kids, right? And I mean, like that's scary in and of itself. And being a teen, having someone who's attacking you in your dreams is also scary. In a multiple event, who's Freddy's scary for everything. And although they couldn't make him a child rapist, so he's only a child murderer, but come on, a child, we all know. Come on now. Mm -hmm. um, like, come on now. We know what he was. Uh, <laughs> and, that, and that thing of the mob justice to kill him, like in Halloween Kills, but done betterly, uh, done better, <laughs> kills this, this, this Freddy Krueger character for preying on their children which you could sympathize with the parents, even though they've done a horrible act, but never once, unlike the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, do you sympathize with Freddy? Because you know what he is, he's essentially a predator. And mm -hmm. he went from preying on children in real life to preying on children where they're even more vulnerable. And so it's such a creepy premise in and of itself, preying in someone where they're most vulnerable sleeping, where they have no defenses when they're asleep. And, and this is burn scarred, literal child molester who's coming after children when they're sleeping uh that in of itself is terrifying right like so this this is imagery of it. it is it's so terrifying it is, it is. and it that is. and that song the original song one two three like you know with the little kids jumping because again all that imagery of attacking children and jumping and kind of the hopelessness and scaredness that you get you're in with this hectic ride of nancy as she's watching her friends around her dies and no one believes her, right, from all this tragedy happening that this man who's stalking and preying on her. Um, it's such, just such a cerebral, even though it's not as graphic, yes, it has a pool of blood, but it's not as graphic as you think it is, especially when you go to the further along films. Uh, no. <laughs> but it's so horrific in and of itself. And I think this is where Freddy becomes a horror icon. And I think one of the reasons why, and this is just my own my own mindset and feeling that he eventually becomes jokey is to kind of soften him like right because what i just described is horrific you can yeah <laughs> and but i think uh, i think part of it too just deals more with the commercialization of the character because if you think about it that film left on its own would have been a couple of things number one a massive hit which mm -hmm. it was box mm -hmm. office wise 
and just this iconic one-time thing. But when you have 20,000 executives saying, well, let's make another Freddy movie, let's make another Freddy movie, it's like, okay, well, the same, the same formula isn't going to work because then it's just going to get old and stale. So how do we... How do we how do we make it better? Well, we take the um, the scarred up, you know, glove wielding uh, child molester, and turn him into a funny guy. And mm-hmm. at that point, you forget about everything evil that he's done because you're like, oh, this is actually a likable character. You know, never mind that he you know killed and and, and molested children and all this other stuff. No, mm-hmm. he's a funny guy. He's all right. <laughs> you know, in death, some people are so much better than in life. Freddy's just a great example of that, yeah. you know. And, and the original film, which takes inspiration <laughs> from real life events, mm. there was an actual thing where a group of, I, I believe they're Filipino men, were literally, after they immigrated here, just dying I in I thought they sleep. were Cambodian. Cambodian? Cambodian? Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. I think they were Cambodian. Cambodian. And they literally were dying in their sleep, and some of them had terrifying dreams before. Because they couldn't expel they the nightmares. Yeah, mm. yeah. So they had something so that, but they were dying in their sleep. So Wes Craven actually saw these news stories and built Freddy off of that—that that terrifying premise that something's coming and killing you in your sleep. Which, so you know, to spook you all even more, Freddy's based on real life people dying in their sleep exactly. with what they believe was a demon coming to kill them. So I mean, later on they figured out it was sleep apnea, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, you never know. Maybe Freddy's real. Maybe you're one of the parents on Elm Street who just don't believe in him. Oh, no, I talk to Freddy all the time with my sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, give me another one of you. <laughs> all right, another one of mine. Um, this is still way back. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's something that I that I think a lot of people enjoy definitely, and this definitely had like several others made, and you know a couple of remakes as a matter of fact. Um, the Omen, nineteen seventy six, and the reason why I love the Omen is this: you got this kid, who he's just a clean cut kid. Let's let's, but you take a clean cut kid, and like with anything, you you make him just have this like blank thousand you know yard stare right you know some shit's about to go down and with the omen it's not there's not a ton of violence it just goes more to that like spiritual he's the child you know he's the son of the beast and you're you have been injected with beast semen and your son is this the devil <laughs> and, and the and the scene with the in the scene with the big wheel. I mean, goddamn, that was that was like that was some rough shit to look at. Even especially in those days, but even now, if you watch it with like the lights off, get yourself a little bit of popcorn, a nice soft drink or whatever, that shit is still actually scary. It holds up to this day because it takes from what people and i'm not going to get into the whole spiritual conversation because that everybody has a different take on that Mm -hmm. but what we grew up thinking you know there's a heaven and then there's a hell Mm -hmm. all right and if you've read the bible at some point or were made to read the bible at some point you know it's a book of tales basically uh with Mm -hmm. 
You know, and it talks about the fall of Lucifer and all this other stuff, good stuff. Um, <laughs> sorry. Hey, I was raised Catholic, man. I am very exactly. You know exactly. I mean, we, you and me both, man. We're we're, we're, yes. we're 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 a couple of Caribbean kids. We we know Catholicism all too well. Yeah. Um, so you know, when you when you watch this film, right. It, and you start thinking because it, it it hits on a closer chord about things that you think are real or maybe real in the in the afterlife, and about the devil and the powers mm -hmm. of the devil, and you know I went to Catholic schools. I think it was for like the first four and a half years of of my uh, school career, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for like part of fifth grade probably, and you always had the one crazy nun. I don't know yep. about you if you ever went through this, but I did. Oh, I went to several Catholic schools. I had, but, but did you ever? But did you ever have the one? Did you have the one? Oh yeah, at several different Catholic schools. So no, I had like the one because I only went to this one school um, called Santa Monica in in, uh, in Puerto Rico. But I had the one, and she was freaking insane to me anyway because she would talk about if you don't do this. And you don't like speaking very kind of almost, almost tongues in a way, and so to me, when I watched the one for the first time, and I watched it, I'll never forget it. It was 1989, October 31st, 1989. It was actually at a Halloween party at a friend's house. Um, watching the Omen, it was kind of like. Oh, this is this is possible is this real is this happening like really and um, that's one of the reasons why I liked the omen because again it didn't rely too much on violence it relied on his quote-unquote you know spiritual conversations and it was very psychological and then it did very little but in reality, those very little things were very impactful. Like, I still haven't forgotten a couple of scenes in the movie. Yeah. It's like oh. the mental powers of that freaky kid. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I one, I love religious imagery and I love religious stories, like kind of horror stories and all this exorcisms and all. Yeah, love I love them. So the Omen, right up there, except for the Julia Stiles remake that she did right and like we don't talk about that oh uh, that was it. but i love this type of stuff so i'm with you i remember those scenes of the omen and two kids are always creepy i am telling you like horror movies with kids and when you put them in creepy situations they are always creepy well it's They're no so here's creepy. here's the worst thing of it like if you dress a kid in a suit mm. all right four or five year old and, and now I'm going to tell you because, like, when I was, uh, you know, when my son was growing up, he was, like, four or five years old. And I went through a period where I would dress him in, a, in either a suit and tie or his little suspenders with a tie. And now that I think about it, that, that was some creepy shit back then to, to look at that. Because it's like, if it's one of those kids that ha <clears throat> has a very piercing look and some kids have that because they're inquisitive and you you know you make that kid look like an adult 
Oh yeah, anytime you yep. get you get really freaked out by it. Thank God my my son was not a creep. Yeah, one of our movies do that famously, The Shining, everything else, when they have the creepy kids. Just, you know, because once you have kids not acting like kids, they automatically become super creepy. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a thing. And mm-hmm. so The Omen is there, too. And you have the, um, you know, it's just it's just fantastic when you have kids that know beyond their means and are capable of murder, like the bad seed. You're really scared of kids. I see this. Murderous kids. That's that's. I, I just... <laughs> no, this theme. Well, you know, <laughs> if you got a really smart kid, and again, you know, let me just say I love my son, because um, if I don't, I might get killed. Um, but no, you know, like you can just imagine stuff. Like I, I don't, I don't know that I've heard of, of stuff like that happening in, in real life. Like a hundred. Like I, I'm not saying that it didn't, but I'm just saying. For that to happen, it would have to be like really weird, uh, serious circumstances. But I think that just the fact that it's such an off premise mm-hmm. of of like a kid doing some messed up shit, and you know, you've heard about the Antichrist and you've heard about all these things growing up, and you're like, oh wait, wait, is, is that kid? Is that kid the Antichrist? Hey kid, stop staring at me. I don't have any candy. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you because you're the Antichrist. I used to be scared too, but then he didn't get <coughs> to the Cartman's party, and he just got bullied like everybody else, man. So, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damien. Uh, and I would take this now to my next favorite zombie movie, because I think we all got a favorite zombie movie out there. You can't talk about Halloween movies without, you know, or horror movies. I keep horror, horror movies. Without oh your dogs over there they're like yeah zombie movie see everybody wants to talk about sorry it. man sorry about Bruce he's he's no, a little he's Bruce a little... wants to talk about zombie movies he's excited he's excited Bruce yeah Bruce Bruce is all about yeah zombie movies um my favorite zombie movie of all time is you ready for it Rick and I think this is gonna be surprising to you tell me Shaun of the Dead that that, is does, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> that like Shaun of the Dead was a great fucking movie. I do think it's it has horror, it has comedy, and I think out of all the zombie movies I've ever watched, I still say Shaun of the Dead is the most real, realistic zombie movie on kind of what happens. Everybody's kind of <clears throat> zombies break out, things go crazy, and then military and other people just come and kind of take it over, and we're all fine, right? Look, that's probably what's gonna happen. Here's uh, the thing but, about Shaun of the Dead, which I. Th- fucking love that movie uh, like you just you just now you just set it off mm-hmm. Cornetto trilogy yep you can't fucking beat that I'm yep. sorry if you don't understand the Cornetto trilogy like you gotta watch all three of those films Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz and um, World's End and you'll understand why those films are as great as they are yeah no but Shaun of the Dead kicks it off I think it's it, <clears throat> it just it has everything you want in a zombie movie I feel like you have the heart you have the scares, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have the kills. You got some gore. Uh, you you know you got stupid characters that you want to die. You know you have the kills that you're like, no, please don't die. You got a happy ending. Like you have everything I think that you want. I think Shaun of the Dead does the zombie movie exactly right by really making it like when I say realistic, like a, a bunch of dude bros who get caught up in a zombie apocalypse. They're not especially good at it. They don't have good skills. They're not 
smart. They're not military. <laughs> they, they essentially Is grow. There... They essentially grow within the context of the of film. The crisis. And yeah. you know you can only grow as much as you want to grow, and I think that Shaun of the Dead really proves that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, look, Shaun of the Dead, man. I mean, like you can't go wrong with that. I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Let me just put yeah. it to you that way. Like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. And pardon my language, I'm trying to do better about that. New Year's resolution starting early, so fuck you if you don't like that. But <laughs> um, I'm trying to be better, right? Damn it. Fuck off. <laughs> Re- <laughs> resolution over. Anyway, so, no, Shaun of the Dead is, is just an amazing film. I, I It's funny, and it, yeah, dude, yeah. Like yeah, I, I I find hard pressed to find a better zombie movie. Okay, Train of Busan may be better, but Train of Busan is not rewatchable. I think Shaun of the Dead you can rewatch a bunch of times and still get. Shaun it. of the Dead is the is the thing that if you want to hang out with your buddies and and have a good day, like you watch the entire trilogy. Mm. That's all you need. No. The trilogy and some beers, man. And I think you could show Shaun of the Dead to anybody who either they don't like horror, they like horror, if they like zombie movies, don't like zombie movies, uh, old, young. I think you could show them Shaun of the Dead and everyone will have a good time with it. I really think it's like a good zombie movie. That's why I call it my best. Because I think anybody can find enjoyment out of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Like, Shaun of the Dead is phenomenal. So. Yeah. All right, so I guess it's my turn. Uh, all right. Was Shaun of the Dead on your list at all? Yeah, I was actually going to mention it, but I'm glad that you did, so, because, you know, it's awesome. I don't, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> this is a John Carpen- Carpenter movie, and I am going out of order because there's a few John Carpenter movies on my list, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, we're pulling basically five each, so. Um, and I don't know that this would necessarily, I mean, this is sci-fi, but it has horror elements added to it. And um, I gotta say, they live. Yep, we talked about it last week. We did talk yeah. about. It. Wait, oh. did I mention that as a popcorn sexy film? You did mention. I, oh, I mentioned no. Then, okay, so I think we both mentioned it. I, I don't but, think yeah. I can. I don't think I can. I don't think I can then mention it again. That that's breaking some kind of code. Um, <laughs> you know, it can't, it can't be popcorn sexy and good at the same time. So <laughs> I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to my fallback, which I had talked to talked about at the very beginning of of this, which is Halloween, the original Halloween. Um, in keeping with my tradition of, in this podcast of talking about films that <clears throat> don't have a tremendous amount of gore and that really depend on elements that are more about just giving you an idea of what's going to happen instead of just giving you the entire event. Um, I think the music for Halloween and where it was placed in within the within the film is really what made that film what it was because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could have an entire scene that you know is just a build up and then all of a sudden you're and it ramps up and it amps up and it amps up and it amps up to the point and you see Michael Myers for two seconds, and then the whole damn dynamic changes right then and there. Like that. Um, I know that's a terrible imitation of it. I'm sorry, I'm not a sound guy. Um, mm-hmm. We'll bring 
we'll bring our guy one day, or we'll bring him back, and he'll tell you everything about sign, sound waves, sound color, and all that other shit that you need to know. You know, but on that, Halloween really sold it for me. And honestly, it was scary as watching it as a kid growing up, and even up until a certain point, it was scary. But then you're really just looking at the mastery of how, with a very, you know, with a small tune, like, you're already in this feeling of anticipation. When they did the remake or the reboot with Jamie Lee Curtis, um, you know, and she's just a crazy, like, woods lady with 12 cats and 17,000 guns in the house. They did the opening almost exactly, the opening titles, exactly the, as, the, as the original film. And you see that in a big screen. And I'm a 40-year-old man at this point. And I'm starting to get amped thinking about it because I'm looking at it on the big screen for the first time. That right there is just some epic shit. And I agree. And we talked about it earlier, so I'm not going to rehash too much. Mm -hmm. But it is the OG original slasher. If you haven't seen it, you may say like, oh, this is scary or passe. But you have to remember everything takes from it. So everything that you've seen subsequently, all the slasher films you're seeing now, all take their stuff from Halloween. Halloween was the first one to do it. It did it masterfully and well. Uh, to the point that everybody just basically copied a lot of their elements. So you can't talk about slasher movies without talking about Michael Myers. He's the original OG shapeless evil slasher. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you got to give credit to that and that and that mastery of film from sound design to everything. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it really it really is epic and unique in, in its own in its own way, man. That's, yep. You know. So uh, even though you talked about the Omen earlier, I am gonna follow up um, with another one of my movies now uh, that has religious themes. Uh, in it, because I do love religious themes in movie, and this is from a director that I was very looking forward to until I saw his follow-up movie after this one, which I subsequently fucking hated, uh, but we'll talk about that movie later, uh, <laughs> in another time, but I'm gonna go with Hereditary. If you have not seen Hereditary, it is a, it is a, it is such a good horror film. Again, it's not gory at all, but it does have that religious feel and symbol, it is about a kind of cult or maybe cult or mental illness or maybe not mental illness uh, of a family and they're kind of descent into this religious madness that comes mm. through it um some tragedies that they face in their own life and does uh, so it opens up with the grandmother uh kind of dying and that sets off uh, uh kind of what her grandmother was into and what the family then has to deal with and then the family has its own tragedies and goes forward the kill count is literally like four people. It's very low, but in and of itself, it's scary. It's haunting. It has it has a phenomenal acting in it. Uh, all the actors kill it in there. Um, um, I don't know why I'm forgetting her name. I had it in the top of my head, but the lead actress in Hereditary. Um, uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting her name. I'm looking it up. One second, everyone. I'm so sorry. But yeah, Tony Collette. I don't know why. <coughs> her name. She should have won a goddamn Oscar or Academy or something for this scene, but she plays it so well. The kid actors are very great. Uh, I'm not going to actually ruin Hereditary because this one is newer and not enough people have seen it, but please see it if you have not. Uh, it's such a good slow build, psychological, religious-themed horror. Um, and, and Ari uh, Archifere, the, the director of it, has such a good lens and eyes for it. And the, the scene yeah. direction. Ever, set ever. All of it. 
That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, Rick, see it. I'm, I'm telling you. If you want to watch them to watch this Halloween, watch Hereditary. It is a great movie. Um, it, it's, it's one that I could not, like, say, see more. Like, see it, see it, see it. Like, see it. Please see it. <laughs> That's my plea to everyone. See it if you have not seen Hereditary. Uh, and then come back and let me know how you liked it, everyone out there. Uh, if you hated it, I will give you your money back. Um, which is nothing because it's on streaming services. But you should... <laughs> I'll give you a bag of popcorn with zero. I will with mail zero. you a bag of microwavable popcorn with zero like with <laughs> zero kernels in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll mail you it. You first have to mail me an envelope, <laughs> right, with some stamps in it to mail it back to you, and then I will mail you a popcorn bag if you did not like hereditary because I'm giving it. Uh, uh, like five bags of popcorn if anybody gets that reference out there you know but I'm giving <laughs> as many popcorn bags as I can give it for I'm sure, sure. Uh, uh, have, you, have you had a chance to see this one not yet but I've heard I've heard about it like from the visual perspective and stuff like that I've not yet seen it but I definitely want to check it out in a future podcast everyone I'm going to force Rick to watch it and we're going to see how he does he may not hate me this time for making him watch a movie uh- <laughs> no I don't I don't. I just, you know, fuck Mortal Kombat and fuck <laughs> Justice League even harder. Yeah, yeah. So he hates <laughs> me for a lot of things. But maybe the future <laughs> one will actually do a review of Hereditary because I think there's a lot we could talk about from sound design to stage. Uh, not an actual stage, but you know what I mean. Uh, location design, everything. Mm-hmm. Like the cinematography on that is beautiful. Uh, I think it's just, it's such a great movie. And I think it, it it's a horror movie, but I think it stands outside that it's it stands the test of time for sure yeah yeah it definitely does yeah alright so my next one is a classic 1990 film starring the legendary actor James Caan and the legendary Kathy god damn it I always forget her last name Bates thank you um and it is Misery and classic the reason why I love Misery you know if you've read Stephen King's Stevens Stevens Stephen King because you love cocaine. That's why you love misery. Uh, of course. Um, <laughs> Stephen King's Stephen King's books. Um, you know, they all usually translate fairly well to print, but there's the occasion when they try to turn it into a film or a series or something where it doesn't work out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not that case. Misery was great. It's about stalking. It's about obsession. It's about all these things. And really, you feel for the character. Because, essentially, once James Caan is in the hands of this woman, he is, in fact, at her mercy, and he is freaked out and scarred for life. And you feel those builds, and it's a matter of, you don't know if, if, if she's going to go crazy at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Or if she's just going to stay calm and silently and calmly um, torture this guy. It plays with your emotions in ways that even a story about a killer like Michael Myers wouldn't be able to. And th- And this is a big say because there's something to there's something to say about torturing an individual and that person surviving it like you know torturing an individual for art too 
I yeah. mean, which is such. If, if anybody doesn't know out there, uh, <clears throat> the, the premise of Misery is about a famous writer who's writing a book. He gets basically kidnapped by one of his fans who um, wants him to write a, a follow-up to his novel or a better version of the novel that she didn't like and basically tortures him to do it. Uh, there's a famous scene that is, I can't even look at it still, when she's breaking his ankles uh, with mm. the mallet to keep him in there. Uh, it's so visceral, even though it's not its not gore again. No. But it's so visceral and haunting, and you can hear when James Conn through the pain that he screams when she's breaking his ankles to write the film. And it's its kind of a, a, a good story of obsession, fan obsession with the artist. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. But I think that... You know, again, when you're looking at horror, like really look at the term, what would horrify you? What are some of your biggest, deepest, darkest fears? Because, look, one thing is to watch torture porn and slasher porns and, you know, what what that is. We use the term porn really to refer to just gratuitous violence and gore everywhere. Mm And that has its place when you're when you're hanging around with your with your friends and everything. You're eating some popcorn or whatever. You want to watch something that's mindless. But when it actually comes down to it, what's your biggest fear? What's the worst nightmare that you ever had? You know, is this film actually doing that? Is it making that nightmare come to life? That's what I love about these type of films. They are horror, absolutely. But they're playing upon, they're playing that mental game. You know, that goes a lot deeper into, into, the, into the psyche of the viewer. Because think about it, you are, when you go watch films, what is it about? It's about escapism, it's about escaping. It's about escaping into another world that you know it's not real, or at least not necessarily so, because some people will try to imitate films, you know, and um, hmm. art imitates life and vice versa sometimes. Yep. But when you when that happens, it's like you're deeply ingrained in that. You're not thinking about anything else in the real world or in, in within the constant you know confines of normalcy or constraints of normalcy. You're now looking at this character. You're investing yourself in this character, and I think that. In this particular film, they did a hell of a job. I agree. Uh, and the reason for everyone out there, just you didn't know, I did the joke about cocaine. Stephen King, uh, misery is really about his battle with cocaine. That's what the that's his uh, 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 that's what this book for him is about, right? So the Annie Wilkes character, the Kathy Bates character, is his cocaine, his level cocaine, because he used to be a famous cocaine addict. Um, mm. which if you haven't watched Maximum Overdrive, which is a great horror movie in the sense it's the only one Stephen King ever directed, and he did that completely on cocaine. So if you want to see just a <laughs> cocaine film movie, Maximum Overdrive is it. That movie makes no sense. And once you understand he was on cocaine the, other, the whole time, that makes sense, right? <laughs> that movie makes no sense until you find out. Wait, so wait no, misery is like that because it comes with addiction and pulling and not leaving. And like you said, your worst fear uh, and, and all of that Stephen King puts on the page. And I think it relates it so well. Um, even though those themes, when you start going to get dramatic <clears throat> themes, but it all scares us. Any Wilk is all of our addictions. Like, you know, all of our addictions who hamper us, literally cripple us from working or moving forward. So it's it's such a great film um, in and of itself on many levels. Uh, Misery's Misery's great. Kathy Bates yeah. again, amazing actress, uh, and kills it in that film. Kills it in that. Film. So. Yeah, 
uh, becomes scary. She, she really is scary. To this day, people see her as scary from playing Annie Wilkes. Which is weird, because she seems like the nicest person. <laughs> I know, she's even so nice, but... I mean, Annie Wilkes looked nice, too, in the film. Until I don't know, Annie Wilkes, Annie Wilkes looked like... I'm sorry, but Annie Wilkes looked like she was planning some legitimately bad shit. Like, for me, that's one of the things that I saw. It's like, man, this, this looks like the person that would do some shit like that. And I'm not basing it on, on just looks. It's just like there's an out-there expression in her face oh, like she's Denise, not all Denise, there Denise, right yeah like, yeah like a demon that's there yeah Daniel, you know. yeah and that's what kathy bates does a great job to give you that impression that absolutely was, uh, oh absolutely so we're gonna get into our last film but before i do i just want to give some honorable mentions out there uh because i'm just doing a top five i love a lot of horror films all right everyone so i'm gonna give you just some honorable mentions not gonna talk about it too much but if you haven't seen it it follows uh, I was trying to get it on the list, but it follows. It's a great, great film. It's really uh, an allegory about a, a teen picks up basically a deadly STD uh, from having sex with someone that follows her until it will kill her, uh, until they pass it on. It follows is great. I'm not ruining anything that's happened in the beginning. That's the premise of the film. It is great. Uh, secondly, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I love Cabin in the Woods. Mm -hmm. I, uh, it's a great subversion, Josh Whedon, which is canceled. Don't get me wrong. But his film is a great subversion of uh, kind of all the slasher and other tropes in horror movies. It is a comedy, but if you're in love with horror and com horror itself, any horror movie doesn't matter. Watch Cabin in the Woods if you haven't seen it. It's a phenomenal movie. It didn't make my list, but it's there. I also don't want to big up Josh Whedon any more than I have to, so that's why I didn't make my top five. But Cabin in the Woods, it follows. Those are some honorable mentions. But... I love what Rick just said about what truly scares you, because this is why I'm going to put my number one film on this list. Get Out. Jordan Peele's Get Out. Um, as a black male in America, Get Out. Whew, boy, that truly hits at home. Uh, <laughs> it truly, truly does. Uh, besides the <laughs> racial message of it, which was great, I think it was well-constructed in that sense, too, of giving that good psychological horror to make a person feel if they're losing their mind, going crazy or not, uh, what is happening around them is real, and what happens when you're powerless and stuck in a system of power against you, right? Has all of those feelings in there while still giving you like a haunted house feel. Um, it's it's really it's it's really such a great film. Uh, there's a reason why that was the breakout hit from Jordan Peele, and now he's been given the range for like everything. Because uh, Get Out was massively done story-wise, massively, uh, uh, story was massively well done. The characters were really well done and written. The location, the setting, the larger themes I was able to interplay in this. And this is where we talk about like, instead of torture porn art where things can have more meaning as we were just talking about with misery I, and but I, I, I think that I think Jordan Peele has a real like gift for that because yeah. Jordan Peele takes things that are actual real life and puts is able to put it within what would technically be a fictional context but isn't really because look we all have fears okay we all have legitimate fears mm -hmm. but when those fears and I'm gonna get on a slight soapbox here just hear me out when those fears are what manifest themselves on a daily basis in the life that we're living in the world that we exist 
and they are very real, we're no longer escaping reality. At that point, we are actually able to relate to something that isn't that far off the mark. Because then we need, that's when a conversation needs to happen. Obviously, that's a different story for another day, but it is a fact. Facts are facts. You know, and, and that, I totally understand your point on that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and so I think it's well done. It has larger meanings. And it's, it's, and my films are no general order, but Get Out is one of my favorite films. Uh, I, I don't like going to movie theaters, but Get Out was such a good experience in the movie theaters <laughs> uh, that I saw it in. Uh, and this is sometimes where you would say for all aspiring filmmakers out there that sometimes changing your ending based on what are the needs of the public, your audience does make sense. Because mm-hmm. if you if you heard or not, Get Out had an original different ending. But after Donald Trump got elected and things that were just happening in the country, Jordan Peele was like, I just felt it was too dour and I didn't feel it hit the right mood. And he changed the ending, which honestly for the better people love the ending mm-hmm. so sometimes yes your art isn't when art it is influenced by things going on around you and the people and how people get it so sometimes learn that too that sometimes things may hit a different note depending on when you put it in uh so yeah social context is a big part of it yeah know? social context ma- matters man and when, especially when you're doing social commentary social mm-hmm. context matters when you're doing social commentary yeah and not that things are not timeless because you mentioned they lived earlier, which if you watch They Live Now, the social commentary is just as poignant as it was uh, when they made the film. Uh, yeah, but... back then, back then, I don't really, I think it was ahead of its time, honestly, because back then they didn't get it. It was 1988. It was a different time, I think. Oh, I think they got you know, it. Reagan and all the other shit. The people who were in it got it. I'm just saying. In it, yeah, it. but, you know, yeah. like, I think that now you have a broader understanding of really what that message was, you know, and where, versus back then people, oh, look, it's Roddy Piper in the movie, yay! It's like, no, cool, I agree. You know. If it was, if They Live was released around, like, Occupy Wall Street, would it have been a bigger commercial hit? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, than it was when it came out? Yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the themes of rich people screwing over everybody else is kind of universal. That's been around for yeah. As long yeah. as human history has been around. Uh, <laughs> the ruling elite powerful class mm-hmm. fucking us all over. Uh, excuse my language. That's a theme that's been around for a Jonathan, time. you're not the one that cusses here. What's going on, man? <laughs> New Jersey resolution. Uh, <laughs> Cuss more. Cuss more. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's my favorite get out. Rick, do you want to have any on? All right. Movies? So, it's going to shock everybody because I've given this movie so much shade over the years, both privately, publicly, and in whichever freaking way that I could. But I realize now it's because I didn't exactly know where to place the genre, and now I do. The Lighthouse. I love The Lighthouse. I'm I so think glad it's you a horror. I think it's a horror film. I think it it's a film that deals with hallucination with um, mistaken identity it deals with um like real issues of addiction and it yes. takes it all into this period of time where it's like man this is back when people wore those type of suits for the lighthouses and all um it deals with um just you it know like a, sex addictions basically in, a, in, in some way horror film 
It is a Lovecraft or Haunted film. It's the fear of the unknown and the strange occupying your well, mind. Well, yeah, I I'm mean, I'm so glad you love the lighthouse. I'm so glad you came over to the side of the lighthouse. Is a great movie. Well, and look, the the Naked Mermaid was great too. Um, <laughs> but um, I think Lighthouse would probably be something that you would consider a horror film, um, <laughs> except for. Lighthouse is probably something that you would consider a horror film only because once you've had the chance to really study it, you're like, okay, it deals with all of these themes, but it does so in a way where it's like, you really don't know what's going to happen next. Like, these two guys are, like, crazy fucking insane. I, I, I'm going to stop you for a second. You would, It is classified as a horror film. It is two men's descent into madness after being stranded yeah, in a but, lighthouse. But, like, that is horror... a, it's a Lovecraftian horror film, and whether the things they're seeing and the creatures are real or not... I, but I didn't, I didn't see it as a horror film. Horror. I didn't... I See, but originally, I didn't see it as a horror film. I saw it as a psychological thriller, and then I was bothered by some things, which I'm not going to mention here, uh, seagulls, <laughs> but, you know, type people. Um, you know... After you really get to study it, like actually break down and study it, it is an amazing study in madness. And I, and what I don't I think love, you need to study it. I think you just need to watch it because it is I a did, I did, But I did watch it, but then it was like, <laughs> you don't understand. When I watched it, again, big screen and context, man, I, it was like the weirdest time I've ever had watching a film, not even really because of just the film itself. Um... But just the crowd of people that were there, like shit, strange shit was happening, and I didn't know if it was because of the film itself or just because you know I, that's that's what you, what you had your own Lundcraftian experience with your own descent to madness, like the movie I mentioned in the Mouth of Madness from John Carpenter as well, where he was watching a film and not knowing if he was mad or not because of all the strange happenings happening around it. Yeah, See? there you so, go, you you got it, baby, you in that horror life. I love it, Rick. I love it. Give me more. Mike, of it. Mike, Mike's, Mike's gonna love that too. So fuck you, Mike. <laughs> you piece of shit. He was right all along. I can't wait to tell him he was right all along. Uh, the Lighthouse is a great movie. No, it's it, a great it, it is a great film. But you know what? What also one of the things that makes it a great film, and I think this is a, a really a good spot to 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 wrap up in the sense that you know it doesn't have to be like. There doesn't have to be fucking blood hitting the lens every 20 seconds for it to be a horror film. It can be beautifully shot. It can be beautifully edited. It doesn't have to have this sort of cheap, run-of-the-mill look. You can create something that's so fucking artistic that it's sometimes easy to overlook the actual part because you're impressed by the editing and you're impressed by the color choice you're impressed by how well it was shot those are the things that i think from my view anyway people should understand about horror it does not have to be what you think it like oh i'm pulling out a knife and i'm shooting everybody you know yeah. stabbing everybody sorry and, and, and you know it's funny uh even though i wasn't expecting to have that type of talk when we came here none of the movies i really pick are very gory None. Maybe Shaun of the Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street are probably two of the most gorish. And, and Lighthouse at the end is kind of gory with the. Yeah, but for the most part, little. none of ours are bloody. Nothing like 
So if you're if you're in if you like oh I don't like horror movies I don't like Saw or something like that none of these movies that we mentioned are anything like no, that no. they're nothing like that they're not gore fest or torture porn they're not your hostels they're not your saws they're not even your Friday the Thirteenth with a lot of deaths and kills they're not that um, no. they're 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 more intimate and personal yeah. which is where I think when you get to not that those movies aren't good I love them all I love a good Saw and some other stuff and some good slasher films. But I think that horror works best when it's intimate, when it's very personal, right? When right. it's when you got a small group and you're going through their emotions and their feelings, and like you said, going our fears and out of them in a safe space more than it is a, a, a mob mentality and just killing a whole bunch of random mob people that may have may or not existed in a movie 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm talking shit about Halloween Kills, that movie. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to ignore it just because I don't want to talk about it. I I feel so little for it, you know? Yeah, none of these movies are Halloween kills. That's what I'm going to say. It's the exact opposite of what they are. Uh, it's very intimate. Uh, and I think horror works back when it is very intimate, when it's very, very insular, when you can know the characters rather than baseless stereotypes that you kill. I think it's very great when it's very intimate. Think characters that you know, people that you can place yourself in situations that are intimate and horrific that have more than one meaning. So I think yeah. that's where horror really thrives. And so mm. if you look back at Hitchcock and some of the old actors, even Carpenter, they have more to say than just we're slashing. Uh, the original Halloween has more to say than just slashing. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think there is more there. Uh, horror, horror can be expressed in just the way that you deliver a line and the way in you know, the subtlety of a specific action and i think that really is what people sometimes have a tendency to forget um watch lifeboat we talked about lifeboats one of uh, hitchcock's films watch stuff like that it doesn't you know psycho is well defined as really one of the greatest horror films of all time and the main action that it's known for happens within the first 30 minutes and mm. you don't see anything really other than what we watched so again man it's just one of those things where it's like watch it know, know what know what it is that we're talking about you know in terms of that because you know, if you look at it with a fresh pair of eyes, not thinking about an expectation, a very specific expectation that you have based on what we've been conditioned to see every freaking Halloween, you got something better. Yep. Watch Hereditary. Evil We're going to do, do a review on it one of these days. Hey, I really John. want to watch it because I think he'll like it. Uh, so watch Hereditary. That's 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 my homework for all of you out there. Watch it. Hey John. Uh, hey John. Yeah. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> well, uh, as we get away from our spooky month, what we're gonna do next week, we're actually going to do a a, um, a, a new movie release kind of coming out, uh, so you have a chance to see it. And Rick actually has familiarity. You've read all the books of this one, right? The series of uh, Yes, by okay. by the legendary Frank Herbert. So you want to tell them what we're going to do next week? We are going to talk about Dune. 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 Talk I about sand. It gets everywhere. And it's... Wait, no, that's the wrong movie. That wrong damn movie, man. Sorry, wrong movie. Wrong God. Movie. Gotcha. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. <laughs> 
So everyone out there, wish me a happy birthday on Triskelet Productions' Instagram. Uh, say, hey, happy birthday, because it is my birthday the day before Halloween. Uh, if you're in the States celebrating Halloween, have a very safe Halloween. If you're out in another country, I hope that you kind of love this spooky season that we Americans do, where we watch all our horror movies. Um, watch one yourself. Um, and tell us your favorite horror movies out there as well. You know? And next week, and next week, uh, Jonathan will open my presents to him because it will be his birthday. Yes, I will let you know what I got for that. Uh, I'll let you know next week because there's presents. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and I'll show Rick the present that I got as well. So it's going to be a really fun time. You should see that as well. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, as always, we really appreciate it all of you just listening and helping us out That's here right. and everyone keeps growing so keep telling your friends and, to watch and it and we got and we got and we got one more set of clues okay all you right. go first rick tell me your set of clues i got a set of clues um peppermints mm, that's a good one uh so my clue which i think this is going to just be um i i think this is just going to give it away but for all of you who watch American Horror Story, Death Valley, the second half, yeah, it has to kind of, maybe, not really, something to do with one of the characters in there, maybe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good night, everybody. Not really, though. It, honestly, <laughs> not really, not at all. If you actually take that, but yes, it does. You'll understand. All right. <laughs> not everybody. Good night. Happy Halloween! Mm-hmm. <laughs>